0: You are listening to CFCR ninety point five FM. It's time for the Nerdy News. It's Punch Radio, and today in studio we have Dave and Jody and Brennan, and we will hear from Hank and uh, Craig a little later. We're going to talk about Get Back. We gave our weekend to the Beatles, and we watched like almost all nine hours of its entirety. So we'll give you our take on that, and uh we're going to talk about some comics today too. And I know Craig. I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about Get Back as well, in addition to all the other stuff that uh, they'll squeeze in this next half an hour. So yeah, let's start with uh, the Beatles thing. Um, Peter Jackson directed this trilogy, because that's how, what he does. He does trilogies, and uh, it's on Disney+. Plus. Basically, it's the making of um, Let It Be culminating in the performance on the rooftop of the apple headquarters and yeah it's pretty mixed like i loved the beatles growing up love 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 them teenager they were they end all be all
1: you knew everything about it
0: had there re- was to know read every book seen everything and then at some point in my early adulthood i just sort of got enough and i was like yeah done with them for a while So it was interesting to see this because, I mean, I do know a lot about the Beatles and and I'm curious about like all this footage from a perspective of the Beatles fan. Like, yeah, it's interesting because you really get to see the dynamics of the four people, how they interact with one another, which you kind of know already, but this really cements it. From a creative point of view, if you're a musician, this is interesting because you actually get to see them craft songs. So the songwriting process is pretty much laid bare, which is really cool, but it's tedious. Like there's a lot to slog through to get to the moments and there's some happy and some sad times in here but uh overall i, I think they could have caught a few hours out of this and would have come up with a better product overall
1: yeah it was fun to watch with you we you know both had our phases and we both love this band and this was a fly on the wall opportunity that we probably thought we were never going to have even though they warn about it in the credits this the moments where they only have good audio content of something that they want to include but they don't have the accompanying video even though they warn you this is going to happen it does look like kind of a hatchet job when they start playing that audio over footage of the same people but just where you can't see their mouths yeah like maybe it'll just show the back of their head or there will be like a, a music stand covering the bottom of their face or something like that it it starts to give you the same sort of feeling of of cgi bad cgi after a while like kind of how dumb do you think i am and and th- and that was just another example of maybe peter jackson overthinking it like you could have played that audio over footage of somebody bringing the tea tray into the studio to serve the boys a little snack or you could have just played it over a clip of like yoko reading the newspaper or something <laughs> like that and that would have been fine yeah and another thing he really overthinks is every time the band or even somebody in the band just starts playing a little bit of a song, any song, they put these fancy slick graphics on the bottom of the screen to tell you what song you're hearing 15 seconds of. And that gets really tiresome really quickly. Like if, if, if you're enough of a Beatles fan to watch an eight hour documentary about the band, you don't need Peter Jackson to tell you that you're hearing Old Brown Shoe or, or Dig a Pony. And also, if somebody starts playing, like, maybe a little bit of Carl Perkins, and I I get to hear John, like, riffing the beginning of Blue Suede Shoes, and I I recognize it, I like the feeling that I get that tells me that I'm clever when I recognize that. (laughs) So then putting the words on the screen to tell everybody what it is, it sort of takes me out of that. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, I understand. I have to say, though, like it, it's great to see the personalities and uh, that interplay, I think, is interesting. Uh, when I was a kid, I loved Paul. I thought he was great because, you know, his songs are his songs are like very childlike. And then as a teenager, you know, I thought Moody John was the greatest. I moved on. And then I realized that like both of them are kind of jerks. And the real star of the Beatles is George Harrison, because he's the great he's a great human being he's the best human being in the band and i think both john and even paul got to the point in their lives where they matured and they learned to become good humans and more power to them and then of course ringo is a good human he's just like this patient he's so awesome and and great Um, getting
1: to watch him play drums will give anybody a lot more appreciation for how good he
0: he is amazing yeah. yeah okay but i think the real star of this show is in the second part of the series where Billy Preston comes in and, as John says, gives the band a lift. Uh, Billy Preston is an incredible musician. He has played with everybody, Little Richard, Sam Cooke, Eric Clapton the Stones, you name it, and uh, he comes in and some of the best riffs that are in the songs on Let It Be are his. He contributed them and made it so much better and Yeah, Billy is awesome. If you aren't a fan or you're not really familiar with his work, like, get into it. Like, do a deep dive.
1: I think a lot of people, because of this documentary, will be discovering some Billy Preston, for sure.
0: Yeah, he was only inducted into the Hall of Fame for rock and roll this year. He passed away in 2006 at the age of 60, right after he made like Let It Be with the Beatles, Apple Records signed him and he made That's the Way God Planned It as produced by George Harrison. You can just see the chemistry between them like brewing as they like learn each other in the Let It Be sessions. And then in 71, he moved to A&M and he put out the album I Wrote a Simple Song, but his real treasure is uh, in 1972, Music is My Life.
1: Yeah, that one has uh, his cover of blackbird on it which is probably my favorite cover of a beatles song that i've ever heard a a definite improvement on the original even though i really like the original and that's kind of rare to, to say in itself but if if people have watched this movie already and are struck with billy preston and what he offered to the beatles that's the first thing you should do is just listen to him play his version of blackbird from music is my life 1972
0: Yeah, super, super good. It is also worthy to note that uh, he was the first musical guest on Saturday Night Live in 1975. So they could have picked anybody. And Billy Preston was the man. And then after that, he played lots of his own albums, but he also played with Johnny Cash and Steve Winwood, Red Hot Chiller Pippers, just like kind of everybody. He's just a consummate musician. And he's... He's great.
1: There's probably another way of cutting up the footage in this documentary where, you know, the overall message is Billy Preston broke up the Beatles.
0: You could. Yeah. It wasn't, wasn't Yoko. It was Billy Preston.
1: Yoko wasn't a good enough keyboard player to break up the Beatles.
0: No, that's true. Another, if you like this and you haven't seen living in the material world, which came out in 2011, you should definitely put that on your watch list. Uh, it's the story of George Harrison and uh,
1: directed by Martin Scorsese.
0: It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant after, you know, cause nine hours of <laughs> rock and roll and, uh, documentary wasn't enough. Sunday night we started to d- delve into 1971, which is a documentary on Apple TV and it's awesome and we're working our way through it so I don't want to say too much about it just yet, but when we're done, oh boy, are you going to hear about it cuz it is a really like scathing in-depth analysis of the politics, the music, the culture, everything that was brewing in 1971. It is fascinating and Uh, yeah actually the first episode has like John and George in it so it's kind of like enough I had enough of these guys this weekend but we haven't
1: had enough that's why it's a really good if you enjoyed this you might also like so for people that you know next weekend want to get back again yeah 1971 the year music changed everything
0: yep super good All right, well, let's take a little break and uh, we'll throw things over to Hank and Craig and we'll get their take on some of the pop culture stuff going on. And I know that Craig is going to give his opinion very quickly on Get Back as well. And then uh, when we come back, we're going to talk comics.
2: Hey, everybody. It's Craig Siliphant on Punch Radio right here on CFCR 90.5 FM. And as always, I am joined by my conjoined twin, my better looking conjoined twin, Hank Cruz how's it going man
3: well you still have more hair than me so I don't know about better looking but you know I, I'm jealous I'm jealous not,
2: not much more and back hair doesn't count
3: oh, oh. <laughs> sorry I, I didn't know the rules I didn't know the rules sorry. <laughs> so
2: uh, we got a few things to talk about today yeah. um, why don't we jump into what you have been watching
3: okay yeah, i'll be quick i've got uh, uh some just some things that you need to watch that we're not going to go into but uh the great season two is out on amazon prime fantastic you got to watch it if you haven't watched the series you got to watch it now uh the great uh the first season was my favorite show uh whatever year it came out last year or the year before great is
2: that like like catherine the great
3: yeah yeah great Maybe
2: somebody else told me about that show too i haven't yeah. seen it but
3: Mel Fanning and this hot guy that everybody loves, whatever his name is. Uh, Also, watch Tacoma FD Season 3 on CTV Comedy. Watch Star Trek Discovery. The new season is out now on Crave. And also, Star Trek Prodigy, the animated one, the new one, is out on Crave. Very good. Don't watch the family roast of the Jonas Brothers. I don't know why I would have to tell you that, but just don't do it. (laughs) You would not. Uh, but my daughter is obsessed. So we're like, we're going to watch this. And like, I don't know if it's going to be appropriate for you or not, but it's a family roast that made me think that it was going to be uh, okay for families to watch. Yeah, not so much, but it, it's horrible, horrible. Don't watch it. But um, speaking of my daughter, she convinced me to watch the show on Netflix called dive club. So it's a bunch of teenagers in uh, this Island off of Australia That form a dive club where they go scuba diving and stuff. But at Fisher Cruise said, four BFFs from an Australian Mystery Inc. are going to uncover the truth surrounding the disappearance of a fifth member of their dive squad. It's a fun and Q12 episode whodunit that is perfect for tweens, young teens with enough intrigue to keep everybody in the family entertained. I gave it a 71. My daughter gave it in an 85. There's treasure involved. There's some uh, uh, old sunken ships. There's pirates. There's sharks. Uh, but it actually is a pretty good mystery that uh, I caught on right away. But my daughter took a little while longer to figure. wait a second. And then there's a cliffhanger. Like, oh, you can cliffhanger. Every show that we've watched as a family that has come out of Australia on Netflix has been fantastic. So this is another one that, yes, it's worth checking out with your kids and uh it the fight before christmas on apple tv plus a documentary that is about a guy uh who decided that because he loves christmas so much would set up this huge display at his house and he kind of advertised it didn't think a bunch of people would show up well a zillion people showed up to this thing so then he's like what city? You're going to try to fine me because I didn't get permits for having a camel in my yard and blocking off streets and having all this traffic? Well, I'm not going to pay any fines and I'm not going to also get any permits. I'm going to move. So then he moves to this subdivision just outside the city limits. And he goes to talk to the homeowners association about, hey, I'm going to do this Christmas thing. And they're all like, uh, what now? Uh, I don't know if that's really because you're kind of in breach of a couple of our policies and our rules things take a turn. This guy goes insane and becomes the neighbor from hell and goes after, and he's a lawyer. I'm sorry, I should have said that he's a lawyer, goes after the homeowners association. It turns into a whole thing. But uh, at Fisher Cruz says, it was the fight before Christmas when all through the house, a delusional lawyer was upsetting his spouse. Because that's exactly what happens. It's horrible. So the new Apple TV Plus documentary from Becky Reed tells the story of a Christmas-obsessed neighbor from hell who relocated his family to a quiet subdivision to avoid paying for a permit to host an excessive camel-packed, days-long, anxiety-filled, nightmare extravaganza. This documentary has it all. Armed bullies disguised as Christians, a small, bumbling homeowners association, raw tension, unethical obsession, one dog too many and a zillion dollars in legal fees. I gave it an 89 out of 100. You got to check it out. It's like, it's too much. It's too much. It is like, oh, it is borderline like Tiger King territory there. Like it is pretty good. Yeah, check it out.
2: I think think that sounds fascinating. I will definitely check that out. I have seen a couple things this week. Uh, I don't often do this, but you and I probably both listen to a lot of podcasts and we don't really mm-hmm. often talk about them on the show here, but I wanted to talk about one quickly. Uh, it's called Storytime with Seth Rogen. And I don't know what you think of Seth Rogen. Uh, you know, I, I actually, you know, I don't care what anybody thinks. I think Seth Rogen is actually like a really funny guy, really smart. And, uh, you know, and goofy enough though, that like, it's not, you know, it's not this comedy that's over your head a lot of times. Uh, And probably he's gotten even better since he sort of divorced himself from James Franco a little bit, uh, what's going on there. But So story time with Seth Rogen, I've heard a few people avoided because they thought it was like Seth Rogen, like reading books or something. It's him interviewing people where they basically tell like a story from their life. And usually they're like famous comedians or something, but not always. So, for example, uh, he has Paul Sheer, who's a comedian. You know, shows like The League. He's got his own excellent podcast, How Did This Get Made, with Jason Manzoukas and uh, June Diane Raphael, his wife. But he tells this story about how he got—he uh, he realized he was allergic to dairy at Disneyland, uh, and like when he was like eight years old or something. And so it's the telling of the story where he kind of explains like his parents were divorced. He, uh, he was really sick that week and didn't know why, but he had to go to Disneyland. His dad was taking him. And so like, he felt better by the time he got there, but he got to Disneyland and started eating ice cream and Dole whip and all this stuff. You know, they end up, he starts not feeling good and they go back to the hotel and he just like, soils the entire hotel room with like vomit and feces and and you know everything possible so you know that i'm not doing justice to the story but he tells the story in a really funny way but then they also will get other people on the phone so seth will call like paul Shear's dad to get like his point of view and in a lot of cases there's a great one with ike Barnholtz, the actor comedian where like He was lying to his parents all the time. So you get his parents point of view, like on, on that. There's another one where they bring in like Ava DuVernay to, to discuss some things. Uh, So it's just, it's really funny. And they're they're just quick episodes. They're like half an hour each. And uh, he sort of goes down whatever thread, like pulls it whatever thread he needs to, to tell a funny story. The other thing I want to talk about quickly here, I'm running out of time, but is the Beatles get back. Uh, which I watched the entire uh, nine hours or whatever it is. And I'll steal this uh, headline. I didn't write this, a better writer did, but it's uh, it was like, get back is an excellent six hour documentary told in eight hours. So like
4: uh, <laughs> episode
2: one is really good. Uh, a lot of tensions and drama and you can kind of like, you get to see the creative process. Episode two sags a bit in the middle and then episode three brings it back for the big finale. Uh, but I would say though, like this isn't going to be for everybody. It's eight, hours or so of just like them in the studio writing let it be but if you're a fan of music the creative process or like the Beatles in general uh it's pretty indispensable I mean it's pretty amazing to be a fly on the wall for basically a month during these sessions especially at that time in the band where they were fracturing and starting to break apart and uh you know and you get all kinds of other truths too like people assume Yoko Ono broke up the Beatles but you know you get to see a little bit more of like what actually happened in in reality right so so has uh,
3: the stuff from there been released already like in the past like this footage or this is all stuff that Yeah, no,
2: there, there has been, there was a movie, I think it was called Let It Be, that was like, you know, a lot of this footage. Uh, and it was obviously without giving, I mean, this kind of gives it away a bit, but it's not really a huge spoiler if you know anything, but they did that famous rooftop concert or whatever. Uh, and so that stuff's been released before this was like, they shot like 60 hours of footage. And so Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings called through it all and, and created this. And I think it was originally supposed to be about four hours, but he was bored in lockdown and had all the footage. So he made it into like a more eight hour uh, thing. Uh, so anyway, it's like I said, it's not going to be for everybody, you know, it's eight hours long. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. And I think if you like uh, you know, just creativity or music in general, it'll be up your alley. Uh, that's the time we have, so we got to throw back to Jody here. But uh we'll talk to you next week.
0: Woo! Thank you, fellas. Okay, so comics, Brennan. Um, what what let's talk Hawkeye? What there's big news about Hawkeye. Why should we care about Hawkeye?
4: Well, uh just this last week, I believe, um, Hawkeye dropped on Disney Plus as the brand new Marvel series. So if you haven't already checked out the first episode, uh, go ahead and check it out. I have yet to watch it. I told myself I I like to wait a couple episodes, to be honest, so I can watch a couple in context. Um, After watching WandaVision that way, when they had the first three come out, I think it was, I was like, oh, I like this a lot better. Like, I like to have a bit more context before I jump in. I have had two people tell me about the Hawkeye show, and I got two totally different reviews. So I'm quite curious to see it myself. But before I dive in to see it, um, I want to give myself a little bit of a backstory, some reading. So from what I understand, the Hawkeye show is going to be based on the uh, Clint Barton, Kate Bishop, Matt Fraction, David Aja version of, of Hawkeye. So uh, they're the ones that brought the two Hawkeyes together and kind of created these, these two characters. I didn't know much about Kate Bishop before. The first time I'd ever really read her was in the West Coast Avengers when they had that uh, last year, I think it was. And I'm pretty much convinced that the copies I bought helped keep it going until at least issue 12. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it. I, no one else did. I, I thought I liked it. it was you, know, you had Kate Bishop and you had Gwenpool and this little ragtag team of characters. I super enjoyed it. But everyone I know that has read this run of this series has said how amazing it is. I've yet to hear a bad thing about it. Um, and so I wanted to check it out. So I picked up uh, Hawkeye, My Life as a Weapon. This collects the first five issues of Hawkeye. And then also has uh, Young Avengers Presents number six, which is the first time that um, Clint Barton meets uh, Kate Bishop and they begin this sort of relationship. So what happens is Hawkeye is dead. He comes back and he wants to be Hawkeye again. But in the meantime, since he was gone, Kate Bishop has become Hawkeye. Uh, Captain America even gave her Hawkeye's bow and arrow. Uh, They start this relationship as like a a mentor, teacher, student. At the same time, they're kind of a team at the same time. Um, It's a a great buddy story. Um, I love the fact that they just sort of become like friends that kind of hate each other, but they also like each other a lot too. This is street level Hawkeye. He doesn't live in the Avengers mansion. He lives in kind of a lousy apartment in New York and he has money. There's a lot of comments that he has, you know, lots of money for being an Avengers, but he's definitely not spending it on living in a big mansion and stuff. Now, growing up, I remember the West Coast Avengers when Hawkeye was the head of them and he put this team together and they lived in a big Avengers mansion on the West Coast. I also thought that was a great series. When I was 12, if I read it now, maybe it isn't quite as good, but I was always kind of a Hawkeye fan. So when I first flipped through this, I'm like, I don't know, like, do I want a street level Hawkeye? Uh, And I totally do. This is the kind of superhero story I like, where you take a hero and throw them more in everyday situations and they're heightened. That's why I like Power Man and Iron Fist. They're these two heroes that just bombed around New York and oh, something's happening, let's go solve it. Hawkeye seems to have the worst luck in this comic. He always seems to find himself in the middle of some kind of trouble. It has a very street level uh, crime-esque kind of feel to it, but yet it's, uh, it's funny. The, I love the color palette. It's very muted as far as the, it doesn't look like your typical comic. Um, it looks like an independently published crime comic, you know, like the stories are great. It's very humorous. Um, I love the fact that almost every time that someone's speaking a different language. So in comics, they always have like the brackets and it will say, you know, translated from Spanish or whatever. They'll have the brackets and it will say something like, sounds like he's speaking in French or Russian saying, I think. And then the next one says, no, I think there's French in there or whatever. Uh, it's humorous. It's fun. Um, Hawkeye's getting punched out and knocked out at least once, once a comic. It's, it's really good. I, I can't, yeah, just go buy it. It's a good, <laughs> um, I really, really enjoyed it. I wish I would have picked this up when it had first come out. But thank goodness we have a trade paperbacks so that we can go back and, and check out these stories. This, I'm guessing, is kind of like how, uh, so WandaVision was, quote unquote, kind of based on the Tom King vision. And you can tell by style it is, but it doesn't follow the story. I'm thinking Hawkeye is the same kind of thing. So I've heard it's based on this series, but I'm guessing it's probably not like a note by note recreation of it. But um, if the series isn't good, at least, you know, there's a comic that's great. So go check it out.
0: Yeah, I have to agree. This particular telling of Hawkeye is great because I never cared about Hawkeye. He's just a dude, whatever. But when I read this and I picked it up because I like Matt Fraction so much, it's so clever. Uh, The art style is really different and great. Uh, The design element of it is what sets it apart I think from other comics. There's um, issue number 11, it's called Pizza Dog in this run, won an Eisner Award for its design elements. And it's like, doesn't really have any talking in it. It's all from the point of view of the stray dog that uh, Hawkeye has adopted. And so just like, how does a dog see the world? So there's all kind of like really cool symbols and stuff in it that is like, I haven't seen anything else like it in comics before. So that is worth the price of admission right there. And uh, yeah, it was a great run. And then after that concluded, we had a little five issue miniseries by Jeff Lemire, which is more like Hawkeye when he was a kid. And then after that, they relaunched Hawkeye again with the Kate Bishop character, where she's more like a Rockford Files type uh, detective, you know, getting punched down a lot and just like kind of screwing up. But, you know, she's just a gal with a bow. So there you go. And then this week, Hawkeye is relaunched again, but it's Kate Bishop. So it's brand new, and I have not yet read it. It is on my to-do list, and uh, I'll give you my take on that next week. Uh, I, I promise. So. Whatever. Well,
4: maybe I'll pick I'll pick that one up too, and we can talk about it together.
0: Well, that sounds dandy. I also want to mention a couple of other comics uh, that came out this past week. Well, actually, Hulk number one came out last week. This is the new relaunch or basically the creative teams of Venom and Hulk have kind of swapped. And so now Hulk has Donny Cates writing at the helm with art by Ryan Otley. And I am not going to read this comic anymore. I thought it was really stupid. Basically the premise is like that, like Bruce Banner is nuts and he's bad and he's like compartmentalized his mind to the point where he is now piloting the hulk as a starship and in black king we had uh iron man tony stark create this like super robot thing that's got like a portal in it and now yeah bruce is gonna drive the hulk starship through this portal so that people can't mess with him because he's just like super powerful and tired of everybody
1: so never let it be said that we only talk about the comics we love.
0: There you go. So I think it's garbage. It is a flaming starship wreck. And uh, yeah, they will not be getting my four ninety nine going forward. But DC's human target will. Number two came out this week. This is uh, written by Tom King and Greg Smallwood. And it's great. The first one was great. The second one is great. Keep on reading. Human target and leave Hulk in the trash. All right, that's it. That concludes another week of Punch Radio. You know where we're at and where we'll be in one week's time. So, in the meantime, keep the dukes up. My bird